0: Now, I want you to um, take your Bible and turn to the book of James in chapter 3. The book of James. The book of James in chapter 3. James chapter 3 has a lot to talk about the tongue. The tongue that's in our mouth and the things that we say. How to control that tongue. See, the Bible says the tongue can no man tame, but God can. God can man can't. Because whatever's on the mind, the tongue speaks. And that's why you have to be careful how you think. Because whenever you speak, your, your mind is on parade. You're putting it out there for people to see what you're thinking about. And that's why sometimes we say things we should not say. And learning how to control that. But look in verse 13. And verse 13 says, who is a wise man and endued with, see that word, knowledge? But that's one thing that God's children, see, fight against. Knowledge. It's like, I don't need to know the word of God. But then at the same time, see, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may what? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So without the word, you don't grow. You don't grow. You can have all the human knowledge and you can live as a Christian for the rest of your life using human knowledge you gain before you ever trust the Lord. But that doesn't make you wise. That can just make you street smart. It can make you world smart. You can know how to work with stocks and bonds and The money market and all those things like it there, and you can make millions. I don't make you wise. That's not wisdom. People in the world are doing all of those things, but shouldn't a Christian live better than the world? So you look here and see there in verse 13, let him show out of a good behavior, a manner of life, his works with meekness of wisdom. In other words, if you are so smart, If you are so wise, live like it. If you don't live like it, you're not wise. And you're not very smart. If you don't dedicate your life to serving God, you're playing games. If I hurt your feelings, good. I mean to. Because life is too short for anybody to play little games with God. This is serious business, and every child of God, one day will give an account to God for what we've done with our lives, and what we do is going to be the result of how we think, and how we think is governed by the Word of God itself. Notice what else He says here. He says in verse 11, "Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries?" Either a vine, figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. In other words, here you are. What should come forth from the child of God? We know we have two natures, don't we? So you can bring forth the flesh and you can bring forth the fruits of the spirit. But you don't do it at exactly the same moment. You're making decisions. And God says if you're going to do what you're supposed to do in the book of James in chapter 1 when he talks about if you look into the mirror and you see that you've got cobwebs in your hair, turtleneck sweaters on your teeth, that you need to, to wash your face and get the matter out of your eyes. Well, that doesn't lead you to the mirror and wash your face with the mirror. It leads you to go to the Word of God. And to take a, uh, a daily bath with the Word of God. So he says here in verse 13. Look in verse 13. Now He's explaining what he's saying. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. Verse 14. For if ye have bitterness, envying, and strife in your heart. Now, does that come from the second birth or the old birth? That comes from the flesh birth. Flesh birth is where these sins come from. It doesn't come from the the new birth, the one that's born of God. Because, see, the new birth doesn't have a sinful nature. You'll find those things mentioned as the works of the flesh in the book of Galatians in chapter 5. So that means that the Christian is walking in the flesh wondering why he is filled with bitterness and envying and strife, and hatred, because that's where he's at. God wants his children to walk in the Spirit and fulfill the fruits of righteousness. In other words, it'll be right. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not the unholy spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and he'll only lead you to do holy things, never the other way. Now look what he says in verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Now, the next few verses are going to talk about the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. You see, if a Christian is supposed to live a better life, then he has to have a better understanding of life. Knowing that this life is not the end of life. Physical life. But... We're talking about what happens after this life. That's where we're going to give an account to God for what we did in this life. And so God has given us his word, his wisdom. Man offers man's wisdom. So if you only go by man's wisdom, you can only know what you have learned from some other man. Or what you've gained on your own. Would you want to take all the wisdom of every man ever born... Who's learned all the things of a man and think that's going to be superior to the wisdom of God. But that's what people make decisions on. Now get what he says here. Verse 15. This wisdom descendeth not from above but is what? Earthly, sensual, devilish. Is that what you want guiding your life? Now, you've got a choice. It's either the wisdom of God or the wisdom of the world. And the wisdom of the world is devilish. So if you don't dedicate your life to the Lord, you see where your wisdom is coming from? It's coming from the devil. It doesn't come from God. Because, you see, that means that you're just making the best decision according to your own reasoning and logic and not based upon what does God's Word say. Verse 16, for where it. Envying and strife is there's confusion in every evil work. If it's so right, then why isn't it right? Now look in verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above. Is God making a comparison, a contrast between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God? I didn't write this. But there it is. But the wisdom that is from above is is pure, peaceable gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. But you see, this is talking about the fruits of righteousness. Look in verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, the greatest peace man can ever know is the peace that comes between God and man. That's why Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And so when we give the gospel, we're trying to show how that a a man can have peace with God. And then after you have trusted Christ as your Savior, if we love one another, we want to do everything we possibly can for them to have the fruits of righteousness by this involvement of peace. See, a little faith takes the soul to heaven. But great faith brings heaven to the soul. And a lot of God's children don't have peace in their heart. They're troubled about many things. Remember when Jesus met Martha and Mary? He says, you're troubled about many things. In John 14, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told. He talked about all the time, be not afraid. Fear not. Why? Because we are. And so you'll notice there in verse 18, the fruits of righteousness. Now look in your notes and you'll see that I drew a little arrow from the fruits of righteousness mentioned in Philippians in chapter 1, the goal of us reading and studying the Word of God to produce the fruits of righteousness. And you go all the way down to James chapter 3 and verse 18, and the fruits of righteousness is so, but it's because of the wisdom that comes from above not the wisdom that comes from below. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews in chapter 6. If you're in James, you only have to turn back a few pages because the book of Hebrews is the next book to your left. Now this is talking to those who know Christ as Savior. You trusted the Lord. There's something that God wants from your life that makes it better than it would have been. You've heard that little phrase, Good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is better and your better is best. God's not even talking about that. He's talking about something excellent. We talk about in the book of Romans in chapter 12 and verse 2, be not conformed to this world. Why? Because that's the human wisdom. But be transformed how? By divine wisdom. God's word should transform God's children. Not to live like the world or to be like the world but because you're, you're a Child of God, and nobody else may not see all the little changes in your life, but God does. We see, does there have to be these changes? No. He said, "But if you love me, if you love me, if you love me. So you see, how you live is your way of saying thank you to the Lord for what He's done for you. here in verse nine, "But beloved, so we're talking to those who know the Lord. He says, we are persuaded, and you ought to align this in your Bible, better things of you. Things that accompany, comes along with salvation. In other words, you can have eternal life, and you're going to heaven when you die. you got eternal life. God will never take that away from you. But there's something so much more. There is a deeper life, a richer life, a more abundant life. A fruitful life. And so he says here in verse 10. You ought to underline that verse in your Bible. It is awesome. See, it would be a sin for God to forget your work and labor under the Lord. God is not unrighteous to forget. Aren't you glad you're serving a God who can remember all those things you've done for him? And when you get to heaven, he's going to reward you for what you've done. But that's what he's talking about. So he says here in verse 11, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance. That means till the end of the race. You'll see the race mentioned in chapter 12 of Hebrews. Full assurance. Running your race with full assurance. It's going to be worth it all. One day it'll be over. And some things to keep it in mind. Look now in the bottom of your page, to save time, we'll just look at the notes here at this moment. The bottom of page one, there's a verse here that's mentioned in Proverbs. For wisdom, now we're talking about the wisdom of God, is better than rubies. You say, I'd rather have the money. Just give me the money. If I say, what is your greatest need? Money! It's always money. Because we know that money is the answer to everything. You'd be better off knowing God in such a way that you can trust Him. Did you know you can have money? Have you ever noticed how strange it is? It flies in and flies away. Have you noticed money has wings to it? I had somebody tell me the other day. I says, where are you going to get all this money? She says, from a money tree. You ever heard of a money tree? She says, but um, it hasn't blossomed yet. <laughs> I'm still waiting on my money tree to blossom. I thought, that's pretty good. I says, can I use that? And so there's some people that are always waiting for their ship to come in. And they haven't even sent out a rowboat. You know, somebody who wants to make a six-foot splash in a six-inch mud puddle. They want to wear the medals of a victorious battle that they fought for the Lord. But they don't want to get involved. Never want to get involved. Well, page two. This wisdom we're talking about. My fruit is better than gold. Yea, than fine gold. And my revenue than choice silver. My fruit is better. So you have to decide, what do you want more out of life? When I begin to understand some of these things, and I used to tell you that when I went to Florida Bible College, Every Friday, I quit college. I quit every Friday. I'm not going back. I couldn't see down the road, and I had no clue of how is this knowledge going to help me later. I mean, I got a wife and two kids. How am I going to support my family? Feed them Bibles? What am I going to do? Who's going to hire me? I wouldn't even hire me. So when I got to Colorado, what did I do? I through newspapers. I became a paper boy. But I got my degree. And I repaired pallets in King warehouse in the middle of the night. Why? Because I have a wife and two kids and they developed this thing about wanting to eat. <laughs> and I ain't the head of my home. And I had a castle. It was a mobile home, but it was a castle. And I was in charge. Betty says I could be in charge. <laughs> but there's something better. And so the reason you study the word of God and you come to the church because you want to learn something to make, help you to make decisions a little bit better. And if you keep that away, you can keep continually in the process of life. You can make better decisions and get more rewards because that's what it's all about. Don't quit and give up as though there's nothing worth living for. The only reason you think that away is because that's the wisdom of the world. That's not the wisdom of God. The next verse, he that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. In other words, I may be despised, but I got a slave. It's better than he that honours himself, but he don't have nobody to do anything for him. He lacks bread and don't have anything to eat. You see, you can find what's better in everything. Look at the next statement. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Why do you think in the New Testament it says, The desire to be rich causes a person to be pierced through with many sorrows and many arrows. Because you see, if money is always your purpose and your goal, after a while, you won't care how you get it or how you spend it. And you won't even care if you take God's money and put it to whatever you want to. Let me just make the statement so do you understand me clearly? Before I ever went to Bible college, Betty's dad let me to the Lord. And I have always, from the very beginning, after I trusted the Lord, and I find out from my, my I have always given to the Lord's work. Always. It comes off the top. Not the bottom. It's not what I have left. It's what I do first. Before food. Before rent. Before a car. Before gas. Before anything. I always gave first to the Lord's work. I've never shortchanged that. But some people say, well I can't afford to do that. No, that's your problem. You don't trust God enough. You don't believe what God said. He says, you give cheerfully, you receive cheerfully, give bountifully, but if sparingly, you reap sparingly. You'd be surprised. God has a system worked out. But it's because we don't always trust the Lord. And we don't think His way is the best. So we doubt. We have fear. Because you know that you don't have that confidence that God's going to come through. That He's really going to bless. Because you know you're not really right with Him. And it worries, works on your conscience, causes you to think guilty. You see, the only reason you have a guilty conscience is because you're guilty. So I have this inferiority complex. Well, that's because you're inferior. Stop wanting everybody to feel sorry for you. You say, you just don't know the hard time. I'm going, no, there's nobody else on planet Earth. You're the only one. The next statement. I want you to see the one in verse 17 here. This is for the vegetarians. I like this one thing that I saw in this one Dick Sporting Goods store. It, it was a t-shirt. Was a, the reason I killed that deer is because he was eating your grass. <laughs> I like that. Have you ever seen people who are vegetarians? Let me see your hand. Know any vegetarians? Come on, you, you're afraid to raise your hand. Do you know anybody that's a meat lover? Isn't it wonderful that God put it in the Bible? But look what He says. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. In other words, it's better to be a vegetarian and be happy than if you had steak every day and you were miserable. So I don't see anything wrong with having steak and being happy. But some people, I don't care what they do, they look down their long, fairs and noses at everybody else. Oh, I would never eat that. I made one request one year. I haven't done it since. How I love chocolate eclairs. <laughs> I'll bet you the next week I had about 50 eclairs. And I had to spend the whole week eating every one of them. So I haven't asked for any more. But every once in a while, I get in a chocolate eclair. Now they got these little chocolate things. They get them right here. Betty will let me have maybe one a day. Just one of those little things. I don't know what they call them. Look at the next statement. In Proverbs 71, Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. Learning the difference one day, I had worked all day, I was so tired, I came into the house, and I was in one of my normal complaining moods. And uh, when I went to the therapy, I told the lady, I says, ma'am, I says, you might as well know right up front, I am America's greatest complainer of pain. I says, I can't. I don't like pain. And if you hit a sore place, and I said, I'm gonna holler. She says, no problem, no problem. That's what I'm looking for, that little pain. <laughs> So the other day, she was working there, and she was just digging in. said, right there, that, 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 that hurts, that hurts right there. Oh, good. Mm. And then she holds it there. I thought she'd quit. See, truth is always the best policy, not with a therapist sitting. <laughs> but I walked into the house. I was tired, and I was hungry. And I sat down at the table, and I was ready for Betty to bring me my food. My father-in-law lived with us at this time. He was sitting there at the table, and Betty brought me some toast and some coffee. I said, is this it? That's all we got. Toast and coffee. So I started my natural complaining routine. I'm serving God, and I'm doing all that I know to do, and all I got to eat is toast. I couldn't wait to see what he was going to say. He says, why don't you shut up? He says, look at that. You got bread and it's toasted. He says, look at that. You not only got water in that cup, it's coffee and it's hot. Shut up and eat. Be thankful for what you got. I didn't like none of those days. But I learned that there's something that's better. Having integrity And honesty about yourself, learning to do right, learning how to trust the Lord. God put me in a position where I had to trust him, because I wouldn't trust me. (laughs) Ah, that I have lessons to learn. Anyway, you can read the rest of these. Hope you have fun. You know when it gets close to 12 o'clock, I'm going to quit, right? I might as well, you have. Look up here. This is you and me. Is it a little bit higher? Have you ever noticed it's getting a little bit higher? Oh, that's good. See, before when I tried to, to eat and I couldn't get my hand up there right, and so I had this spoon, and you see, that open my mouth and try to throw it in. It's not fun at all. Or you're trying to do it with a fork. I like to put out this eye. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin, and we've all sinned, so we all have to pay for it, which is death and hell. So you see, and we're all going to die, but we don't know when we're going to die, and we're in a heap of trouble. And God says the ways of sin is death, so we're going to be separated from God. Now to go to heaven, you have to be perfect as righteous as God, and nobody's perfect. None of us are righteous. So God says, you cannot save yourself. In other words, there's nothing I can offer God in place of death. I can't offer him money. He doesn't want it. I can offer him gold. He doesn't want that. I can offer him anything, but he doesn't want it. What does he want? He wants my life. i got to die. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ took all the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead and said the only thing he wanted me to do was believe that he did it for me and he would give me as a free gift everlasting life and I'd get to go to heaven on what he did for me. See I'm not trying to earn my way to heaven I'm already going to heaven. I've known it for 58 and a half years because Christ died for my sins so I don't have any sins to pay for. See that's why I was going to hell but now I don't have any sins so now I don't go to hell. And you can't know you're going there until you know you can't go there. And I can't go there. Why? I don't have any sins to pay for. Why? Because Christ paid for my sins. so simple. Y'all get this, don't you? This means yes. This means no. And that didn't hurt. (laughs) Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior... I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you. Don't have anything for you to sign. Don't want anything from you. I just want you to trust Christ as your Savior. And if you'll trust Him, He said He'd give you eternal life. So when you get up to leave, you can say, I'm going to heaven, because today I trusted Christ as my Savior. And He gave me the free gift of eternal life. Friend, God loves you that much. Would you trust Him? I pray that you would. So with his bow and eyes closed, no one looking around, is there anyone at all Say, Pre- preacher, that made sense to me and I'm trusting Christ as my Savior this morning and I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? You that are watching by internet, right on the screen, you can punch a little button that says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you would. Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you do for us. And Father, help each person here to realize that you want more for them. You love them and you want them to walk with you, to talk to you. You want to bless them and give them a better life than they've ever known. In Christ's name we pray, amen.